and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a very, very um, powerful episode in store for you all today. Uh, we are sitting down with pro wrestler Joshua City. Uh, to have a very um, open and candid conversation about his journey back to the ring. Now, if you don't know Joshua, um, he uh, began wrestling back in the early 2010s, wrestled for a few years in Texas mainly, and then in 2013 stopped because he learned that he had contracted HIV and he was HIV positive. And it was a diagnosis that, you know, in his mind, basically ended his pro wrestling dreams, so to speak. Uh, but here, um, eight or nine years later from that moment, uh, Joshua was able to step back into a rank again for the first time and have a match at Full Queer, uh, the promotion that is run by one Marco Mayor of Money, Power, Respect fame. Uh and it's a truly a, a powerful moment that he had there and put out a Facebook post about it and about a little bit about his feelings around it. And as soon as I saw that Facebook post, I knew we had to sit down with Joshua. Fun fact, Joshua is actually somebody who I've been trying to track down for a little while to have on this show. <laughs> so I'm glad that the, the stars aligned here um, and we're able to have him come on and, and talk about his journey and tell his story um, about, you know, living with HIV and still wanting to chase that pro wrestling dream and using wrestling as a way of educating and raising awareness for the, the realities of HIV and living with HIV and how far the medicine and the science and um, everything has come to the point that like Joshua himself, people can be um, undetectable and not spread the virus, even though they do have it um and all of that work to try and and kind of destigmatize things as well because as the last 40 some odd years have told us stigmas around hiv and aids do not go away without intense intense work and that's what joshua has set himself up for we also talk about his his, his journey in pro wrestling as well training under lance, Ar lance archer um and wrestling in texas as an out gay man back then and uh you know now his journey that's taken him to california to help keep chasing this dream it's a really awesome conversation i can't wait to share it all with you before we get there though i did make a little bit of an announcement on Twitter, <laughs> and we have some housekeeping to get to, um, because I know Jason Joshua, you are not the only one who is chomping at the bit to learn some more information about this year's QWI 200 list and the 2022 QWI awards. Um, obviously, it's that season, I, as I've alluded to many times on this show in the past month or so. Uh, the list is a work in progress right now as we speak. I am putting it together. I am writing everything as we go, and we are setting up for a release date. Now, I haven't shared the release date yet because we haven't had confirmation <laughs> yet, but we, I, we do have confirmation now. So I can announce here today 
that the 2022 QWI 200 list, the top 200 out LGBTQ wrestlers for the year, will start being rolled out on December 9th through December 15th. Yes, it is the same format as last year. We are not changing the format at all. It will be a week-long release schedule with 30 wrestlers per day for the first six days. And then that last day, you get your top 20. Uh, to me, keeping the list at 200, that is the perfect way to unveil it, to not just completely overwhelm people. Uh, and also just, I don't know, it's it's fun. It's fun having multiple days to come back to these things and see where people land, see where your favorites land, um, and generate all of the... Uh, fun and sometimes crossing fingers, hopefully not for this list, uh, toxic stuff that can come out of any pro wrestling list as the, uh, the people at PWI and I'm sure Reg with the, with the BW 500 can attest to, uh, with, when it comes to these sort of things, uh, I'm excited to have the list put together again this year and to have it out there for everyone to check out. So keep your eyes on outsports.com December 9th through the 15th. That's a Friday through a Thursday. And we're going to have a special episode of the podcast on the 15th, December 15th um, to discuss the list. Once it's all out there for everybody, it's all public for everybody. And we can all start having the debate, which I hope will be superseded by the celebration of what this list represents and the power that is uh, stored within it. Uh, that is always the goal when putting this together for myself is just to showcase our community and show the people in our community that maybe don't know or need reminding just how far we've come and just um, what we are capable of whenever we are either given the ball or create our own ball in realms that we have historically not been welcomed in. It's amazing, and I cannot wait to share it all with you. Now, we do have one more thing to get to before we go to our interview with Joshua, and that pertains to the 2022 QWI Awards, the ones that are voted on by you, the fans, uh, and the listeners of this podcast. Although you don't have to listen to the podcast to vote. It's not a prerequisite. We do like the, the synergy, though. But uh, those, obviously, uh, the nominations are wrapping up today. So make sure if you have not uh, submitted your nominations for all of the categories uh, for the best in LGBTQ pro wrestling, go to the Google form that is out there. It's on, uh, I believe it's pinned to both my Twitter account at WonderboyOTM and the show's Twitter account at LGBTRingBod and vote for your favorites because at midnight tonight, if you listen to this on Thursday, midnight tonight, uh, those will close. Midnight Pacific, rather. So I guess 3 a.m. Eastern. Those will close. So as soon as the clock strikes over into November 18th, that is done. The nominations are closed, and then I will be tallying up the nominations over the weekend, and I can now announce uh, for sure that the final ballot for the 2022 QWI Awards, as voted on by you, the fans, will be up and ready for uh, everyone to vote on on November 21st, the following Monday. So nominations end tonight at midnight Pacific. The 21st, that Monday, we'll give you something to do over Thanksgiving. Go and vote 
on the final ballot that will be compiled from the nominations that you all provide me. And we will keep that open until December 6th at midnight Pacific. So you get a little over two weeks there to check out the final ballot and vote for your favorites for the year. That will be compiled after that, and we will announce those the week after the QWI 200 list has been released. So uh, the believe I'll do my math in my head real quick. The December 22nd episode of the podcast uh, will be our QWI awards show, just like we did last year. Um, and it's just we're going to wrap up the season there and get ready for 2023. You know, I mean, I know it's probably <laughs> wasn't the best idea to line all of these big projects up around the holiday season, but let me tell you, this has become part of my holiday season and part of the reason why I celebrate at the end of the year, honestly. And I do it out of love because why else would you do it, honestly? Right? Yeah. Well, remember, keep those dates in your brain. Uh, we'll be talking, well, I'll be reiterating them on shows up until we're, we're at those dates again for sure. But remember, listen to the show and keep your eyes on my Twitter account and the show's Twitter account uh, for information on the, the QWI 200, the QWI awards uh, voting, rather. Uh, yeah. So. Got that out of the way. The cat's out of the bag. Y'all can already start building your anticipation more and more, I guess. Uh, but for now, build your anticipation for my conversation with Joshua City. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who recently made his return to the ring the first time in nearly a decade in San Francisco at Full Queers, um, at Full Queers Folsom Street shows. Um, Barrison but Street Fair. Barrison Street Fair. Thank you. Thank you so much for correcting me. I. <laughs> You're all good. <laughs> well, you already heard his voice. Joshua City's on the show today. Hi, Joshua. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing really good, honestly. Uh, really excited for this like interview i'm really excited to sit down talk about my story with you and the fact that you feel the story is important to talk about which i know i do so <laughs> no 100 percent, it is important to talk about not just in terms of um the pro wrestling aspect of it but how how we've seen pro wrestling interact with the lgbtq community mm. um and specifically with with your story you know how L the pro wrestling community and the community rather as a whole still interacts with people who are HIV positive. Yes. Uh, and you know, that I think that's really one of the, the key things that stood out to me whenever you made the Facebook post after your return um, at the Barrison street fair. Um, because like, I think as much knowledge as I have about all of the different personalities and people in the LGBTQ pro wrestling sphere, so to speak, you know, as I told you before we started recording, like your name has come up in conversation here and there with different people as in terms of like someone who would be a good guest on this show. Um, and I had no idea that part of your journey was about like your own personal journey with, you know, with HIV and mm -hmm. wanting to come back into pro wrestling to spread the, to spread the message that, you know, if you are undetectable, 
and you can't you can't transmit that you know these stigmas around HIV in the pro wrestling world they don't need to exist. There needs to be better knowledge about how HIV actually manifests in the body based off of like the new science and medications yeah, that are yeah. out there. Um, so that was, I mean, that was the, one of the huge things that jumped out to me and we can get more into that right now, but just talk to me about that first moment kind of getting back into the ring. Ooh, you know, it, it's really interesting. Um, because you would think it was like even the moments afterwards, it, it just felt like I was getting back into the flow, like immediately. Obviously, there's a lot of ring rust. It'd been about a year since I had trained uh, consistently. Uh, but getting back into the ring and doing it and finishing it, it was weird. I wasn't happy. I was angry. And I wasn't angry like it wasn't that it went wrong or anything. It's like, damn it. Like, this is what I've been trying to do the whole time. This, I, I'm just, I did it with ease. I came back with ease. I know what I'm doing, how to be safe, how to be safe to others, how to take care of them and do all of that. And why am I having to fight so hard to convince people? I, over my time frame, uh, the last year and a half, I have put information and documents and articles and uh, doctor's notes, you know, in front of people and still, it is just, uh, I don't know. And because, you know, wrestling isn't a sport, isn't, well, depending on the area, depending on what license you have to get, but because it's not a sport, it's more of a fraternity. They have the ability to just turn their back and close the door and, and nobody's going to call them out on it. And because of the standards we've set in, uh, in combat fighting as well, which wrestling gets compared to because of blood and different things like that. Combat fighting, in fact, actually has a little archaic rulings as well, because, you know, as you said earlier, uh, undetectable means untransmittable. Like that's not an opinion that is a stated fact by doctors, not, they will even go to say it, you cannot transmit it. Not there is this percentage. They say no, you cannot transmit. No, and like you said, it is scientific fact. Like you know, there are multiple people in in my life who are HIV positive who are undetectable, and even just in like regular everyday life, they're still having to face like certain certain stigmas around around that. Without the added on um, complication of like the like physicality that comes with, with pro wrestling or combat sports in general and i i completely agree with you that like it's it's frustrating to see that um people within these worlds still hold these these stigmas when faced with the science that has steadily improved over the like the now four decades almost that we've faced since the initial um aids epidemic hit in the 80s mm -hmm. but no i think that like people that are outside of this 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 sphere or do, who or who don't interact with with people who are hiv positive on a daily basis don't know no. the extent that that treatment and and science has gone to 
to be able to to make people like like you and so many other people undetectable mm. and and untransmittable in that way. I mean, hell, we're having like for the first time like this year, we're seeing advertised like the pharmaceutical advertisements that we see all the time. We're now seeing stuff for for prep and and there's like vaccines that are time. being developed. That's taken yeah. about ten years itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you, you are right there. So a lot of it comes down to the last time uh, the public really saw anything through mainstream media was in the 80s and 90s when it was an epidemic, when millions of people were dying from this, still in certain parts of the world are dying from it. Uh, that was the last time it was talked about in this giant public view. And so all of the knowledge, the information that we have is not in mainstream media, is not positioned that way. You know, even when I first uh, found out that I was HIV positive, I remember a friend, one of my, one of my uh, friends who helped train me, he, uh, I remember him asking, so can I get it from drinking water after you? I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, but it was an earnest question that he didn't know. And in reality, at the time I had to learn because I didn't know anything about it. And I had to become as knowledgeable as uh, I possibly could because I wanted to, because I wanted to be that person. What were those resources that you went to, to, to kind of educate yourself about this? Because like you said, like there's not just kind of a general knowledge base out there. Like there's a severe lack of education around what HIV actually is in terms of like, you know, what, what it does to the body and how it can be transmitted and that sort of thing. Cause I, like there, I have okay. I'm just pull the curtain back. Like I, have, I have, my my father is HIV positive. Okay. And I like growing up, like I had like I dealt with a lot of the same questions that you're talking about having, mm -hmm. you know. And it bewildered me the extent in like the mid 2000s, much less whenever you're talking about you you uh, found out for yourself that we're still answering these same questions, not because like people are being like, you know, trollish or like be just doing something to get a rise out of people, but because there's just literally no education around this stuff to the point that people have to ask if like, if you can get it by sharing the same water bottle with someone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so man, there's one I use now uh, a, a lot and it was, I can't think of his name off the top. I even wrote down all the names I thought I would need. Uh, <laughs> but he was a uh, professional rugby player that ended up becoming HIV positive. It's never really put out there if it was while he was still uh, active or after he had retired. Uh, but he started tacklehiv.org. And I really try to push people to there because his whole thing is kind of educating and it has like a whole test to where, you know, how do you think someone can get it? And it tells you how the rest of the world perceives it or, or believe the same way that you do and how that is actually incorrect. But when I first uh, found out, it was one of those things because I found out uh, September 11, 2013, of Quite a day. day. <laughs> Quite a day, man. Every emotion five times. Uh, it was it was one of the toughest days in my life. And it was really interesting because as soon as he told me, you know, he's like, okay, so 
you know, we have these two dots here and that means that you're HIV positive and won't, 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 won't. That's all I heard afterwards. You know, a friend comes in the room to console me and he's talking and I'm literally like, I can't wrestle anymore. The only thing I ever wanted to do, the only thing I wanted to chase after was wrestling, you know, and reached out to a promoter that I worked with uh, consistently. And he's like, yeah, uh, you can't wrestle with us anymore. I'm so sorry. Da, 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 da. And it was just this gut-wrenching thing to like, this is all I wanted to do. This is literally as unfeasible as it is sometimes. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to work at the highest level. And uh, I started like just researching and researching and finding whatever I could. And it's extremely hard. Even today, there's still, uh, I, I still find some of the just handful of articles out there. And I, I can't think of off the top of my head what they are, but uh, I would research HIV and professional sports, HIV and combat sports, HIV, uh, HIV and uh, just sports in general and try to see like how it's handled, how it's dealt with. Is it allowed or is it not allowed? You know, one of the more famous stories is uh, uh, Magic Johnson in the NBA, you know, and he was able to play. So, you know, you go from there, you're like, okay, how does the NFL handle it? It is actually okay to be HIV positive and play the sport, you know? Because if they're gonna take care of anybody, like if anybody gets hurt, they're gonna treat them as if they have it. And the the chance to spread the virus in that realm is like so low, like almost impossible, like 0.001%, uh, just because, you know, scientists are never going to say, yeah, no. But uh, I, I went through a lot of articles <laughs> and, and there isn't much still, there isn't much information out there. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully that that is going to start to change, you know, as more as more people, I guess, not to say more people, but as it becomes more comfortable to be discussed in, in just in society in general is like, like you said, like there's there's still a stigma just around even like the term, you know, just because of the history that it has and um Mm -hmm. And then you add on like the combat sports element to it. I mean, just looking at the history of pro wrestling, like, you know, there's been so much um, like fear brought up around like, you know, in terms of like blood transmittable diseases, like look at all of the different instances of like hepatitis being spread because of like Abdul the yeah. Butcher or, or stuff like that. I, I remember an article and it actually, you know, kind of made me angry because uh, hepatitis is actually a lot worse. Uh, hepatitis A, B is a lot worse than HIV. Yes. And uh, it's not always played that way. And I remember there was an article because you go about Abdullah and all the stories and the situations there. Uh, and this article said it was about a man who was a professional wrestler and he ended up contracting HIV. He went to WWE he found out he had HIV and he kind of went into his own realm. Uh, and I imagine just, you know, the shock of that, he didn't disclose it to partners and ended up giving multiple women HIV. Uh, but they, they played the story. If you think someone with uh, hepatitis is bad, you know, there's someone with HIV. 
Uh, and it angered me really because it was like HIV, if managed correctly, is uh, not terrible. You know, it, it, the first thing my doctors told me were, you're going to live a long and healthy life. You're probably going to be healthier than most people because you're going to the doctor's office more than anybody else. We're watching everything. Your pills almost make you superhuman. Uh, not superhuman. I'm not Superman, <laughs> but that'd be kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, I had that information. And at the time in wrestling, there weren't a lot of stories. There was the hepatitis, which you brought on that Abdullah. You talk X-Pac and you talk Nigel McGuinness. So at the time I had that year, I had went to the Cauliflower Hour, Cauliflower Hour Alley Club. That is a tongue twister. It is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had met uh, Nigel McGuinness and Les Thatcher. At the time, uh, you know, you could tell Nigel, Nigel had just kind of retired. He was telling his story. Nigel McGuinness ended up getting uh, hepatitis B, I believe, not C. And that ended up uh, making him have to retire. And, you know, he quit the business. So I still, you know, had no clue about my status. And at the time, it, I learned a lot from Les Thatcher, was trying to bring uh, Les Thatcher into uh, one of the local places I worked, MPX. I thought he would be a great mind to, like, give us a session. When I found out, all I wanted to do was, like, talk to like-minded people. And I reached, and I thought it was a shot. You know, I know it's not the exact same, but I reached out to Les Thatcher and said, hey, here's my situation. Could you put me in contact with Nigel McGinnis? And he was actually one of the first people within the business that I talked to that kind of like, not put my heart at ease, but like understood the pain, the frustration, the hurt I was going through, the darkness. And, you know, him even telling me, he's like, if anybody tells you, you know, it's just going to get better, you know, right away, he's like, they're wrong. You know, it's not, it's not going to be easy. And if you want to fight to do this, you're going to have to. He's like, but in reality, like, there's no reason you can't wrestle with HIV as long as you're on your medication and doing all that. He's like, it won't be an easy journey because you're not going to be accepted everywhere, which is not a lot. <laughs> it's something I still face to this day. Uh, you know, but he was the first one to like, just give me this, uh, not, I guess, clarity and just motivation. And, and it, it, and while I didn't use it then, cause I was young, I was hurt. I was just not, I was not physically and mentally and emotionally ready to take on that challenge. It took years, but it, it's stuff that still ring in my head, you know? Uh, of the words of encouragement that Nigel McGinnis gave to me. I was lucky to have those words. I mean, I can imagine just having someone that you can kind of commiserate with. Mm -hmm. It would be just by itself, something that would be beneficial because, you know, there aren't a lot of people in the world of pro wrestling that, that specifically, at least publicly specifically deal with, with this sort of thing for yourself, much less whenever you add in, you know, hepatitis as well, hmm. you know, so I can imagine, especially back in like 2013, 2014, and that sort of, no. that sort of era. And he, 2013, 2014, you know, still prep was 
was new. Uh, I, I believe it came out 2012, 2013, around that time frame. It was still relatively new. And uh, Undetectable, Untransmittable didn't start as a campaign and truth until 2015. So there's still this realm of like, anything I wanna do is done. It's done, I can't do it. I have to figure out something else with my life. Give it up, kid. You know, you're wasting your time. Mm. Uh, I was I was very lucky at the time, you know, I obviously I didn't wrestle, but I, I ended up going back to uh, my local promotion. It was uh, MPX in Dallas. They're still around in mid cities, Dallas, Fort Worth, Dallas, Arlington area. And, you know, I talked to the owner there and just telling them, hey, you know, here's all the information. Here's all of this. I just want to have one mat, you know, I'm on my medication. I'm doing all this. I just want to have like one last goodbye match. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, you know, you've always been great to us and everything like that. And I'd love to be able to help you. It's, you know, if they feel comfortable working with you, which has always been the thing. And in reality, I get it. You know, it is only today that I kind of changed my mind on that. Not willing to work, but I just want people to be willing to understand. Uh, but yeah, they gave me the opportunity to have a retirement match. And I've had like enough of those now because I can't <laughs> give this business up. Uh but it, it was one of those things where once you talk to somebody, once you give them the information, once you uh, open those doors up, they're like, okay, yeah, I don't mind. I'm not scared. I'm not this or anybody who just, you know, has done any kind of research or has usually it's people who have dealt with it like yourself or me or, or people like my, my mom had hepatitis C her entire life. So I mm. knew a different uh diseases like that from an early age yeah i mean and that's the hope right that the hope is that you present everything that that has been done to better inform and to treat these sort of things and that will hopefully like inform people that the truth about the truth about this sort of stuff and that people won't fall back on the the outdated information the outdated perceptions of these sort of things that's the hope the 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 truth is they still do you know i started the journey of coming back because you know since 2013 i did try one other time uh to get back in the ring in 2016 and uh it, it ended up like just crushing my dreams of professional wrestling uh, i was i don't know if i went about it the right way uh but uh you know, at the time I was undetectable. I was fine. I was healthy. I was probably in some of my better shape, uh, not best shape, better shape. And uh, I wanted to start training again. And I reached out to some schools and I was like, you know, should I? And I was asking one of my close friends in the business. Uh, I won't disclose his name, but uh, I was asking him, if, you know, should I say anything, you know, because I know I can't transmit it or anything like that. I guess he was confused at how HIV works, even after I had explained it to him. And he thought, you know, undetectable means you don't have it anymore. And he's like, yeah, go. And at the end of the day, I can't blame him. I, I took the, uh, 
I took the choice. Like I decided, Hey, I'm going to go wrestle. I won't disclose it because I'm not at in reality, putting anybody at risk because I can't transmit it. And uh, it became a, a thing. Uh, it got blown up and and then it became, you know, Joshua City is out there blading and having hardcore matches and, you know, and he's putting everybody. I'm like, I'm just training. And I was vilified and I was turned, in, turned into this evil person. No matter what I said, you know, I'm like, I've had doctors, you know, tell me that it is okay. I'm putting doctors don't know. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know our business, so they don't know what they're talking about. I, I don't think you're right on that, you know. Yeah. And how dare you? And in reality, anything that he did was not illegal. Uh, you know, it's under what they would want to say their moral standards. You know, of putting your partner at risk. But you know, I wasn't. I am. I wasn't uh, held by any statutes in Texas or anything like that. There isn't a. Uh, what is it called? I'm trying to think. It's not oh, like under, a commission. Yeah, it's not under a commission or anything. Yeah. And uh, in any other regular sport, uh, I could play. I could play uh, football. I could play uh, uh, NBA or uh, boxing, not boxing, uh, basketball or just regular sports, soccer, where scrapes and scrubs happen. But this, because like I said, it's a fraternity, I was just destroyed. You know, I had people who are wrestling at a really high level now, you know, go to one of the schools where uh, my mentor, uh, Ray Campos, he runs AAPW in Austin, Texas, wrestled as Papa Don for years, who is a gay man uh, and one of the surliest, meanest men you'll ever meet. You know? <laughs> But he's, he is like, he's, he's dad. Like he'll, he'll kick anybody's ass to make sure you're okay. And anyways, uh, at the time he didn't still own the school. It was owned uh, by another. And this wrestler went to them and said, Hey, did you know Joshua city has AIDS and he's had it the whole time. And Ray Campos knew and he's spreading it to everybody. And it was like, wow. You know, and it, <laughs> It, it just hurt, especially someone that I, I admired and looked up to and wanted, uh, you know, their their opinion and wanted to to get their criticisms because they were good and are good still to this day, you know, just to have that situation. And so that stopped me for, oh, my God, years. I, I couldn't even look at wrestling without getting depressed. Mm. You know? Yeah, I can. I mean, I could definitely see how that would have that effect there was that part of the reason for like the relocation from no no absolutely oh, okay not. okay yeah uh, i'm not one of those i don't care uh, oh that's okay i was just making you yeah, know yeah. just like you know uh yeah. <laughs> i ended up so i'm originally from dallas texas uh you know trained at the old pcw factory way after you know it existed uh with lance archer and he had just left uh, WWE at the time, but uh, I trained with him and I left Dallas in 2019. I've been in the bar business actually 10 years now. Oh, nice. Uh, when, when professional wrestling stopped, I put all my love and heart and passion into the bar business. 
because it's very similar, believe it or not. It's entertainment. It's being ridiculous. It's <laughs> putting events together that, you know, so uh, I moved. Especially out in our world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> it, it's yes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I moved out here to help open a bar, failed in two months. And I went, I love San Diego. Yeah, I moved to San Diego and uh, I've been here, you know, uh, bartending and being a promoter and doing events, promoting within nightclubs and everything, because I've always loved that. I've always been a theater kid. I've always uh, liked to pull back. Like I like being the center of attention, obviously. <laughs> if you're a wrestler, you do, you have an ego. Uh, <laughs> it's just par for the course. But I also like seeing the full picture come together. And I like seeing the set design and the different talents and seeing the people go home happy or creating this, you know, memories and moments for people to hold on to. No, I mean, I, I like, I, there are a lot of similarities between those, those worlds. And it makes sense that like the, the, uh, the skill set for pro wrestling would translate over oh, to wow. that in terms of like running like an LGBTQ bar and that sort of thing. So no, it, it's, it's cool that you, that you were able to find another outlet for, for this, yeah. for the time that you were out of the ring and um, you know, San Diego, always a, a hop in place for that stuff <laughs> it, it's an interesting place i love it to death i think it's one of the most beautiful cities in uh california uh san francisco fights for that title for me because i love san francisco too yeah. but uh, too expensive for my taste <laughs> i feel you <laughs> <laughs> i know you do <laughs> that old bay area is so expensive like it's so pretty but no oh. and i was barely afforded down here <laughs> lord um okay so I, I do want to talk more about like this journey that, that you've been on to get back into pro wrestling but i have to ask now knowing that you were trained by lance archer and just knowing like the different inc incarnations that we've seen mm -hmm. of lance archer like what was that experience like training under him so lance uh lance at the time had it was 2011 he had just gotten released from wwe so he was uh he was a little in his head at the time sorry if you ever hear this lance but uh <laughs> you know he was in his head at the time uh i was the only student like he just got back you know doing some indie gigs uh, I'd saved up some money and trying to work something out with New Japan, but it wasn't a promise yet. We all know that it became so much more after that. But uh, at the time, he was, it was just me and him. I, there was no other person in the class. It was literally just me and him. And I'm so grateful to have had him, especially after his run in WWE, because Lance's Lance is one of those, like, you think it would be all about just show you the moves, whatever. He was so purposeful about, I'm going to show you psychology. And he would sit down to teach me psychology and why everything makes sense. Especially like, I was tiny. I was like 160, uh, 5'11". I was tiny. And like, I remember one, uh, one class training session, he, I was on all fours. He kicked me and I kind of sold it a little bit. And he's like, no. And he probably sat there for a good 15 minutes of like what it means 
what it means to be kicked and by who he's like, look at me compared to you. I'm 260 pounds. You're 160. You're giving up a uh, hundred pounds to me. He's like, you should be flying all over the ring. If uh, Matthew here, he's your size, a little bit shorter than you. If he kicks you, you can sell it like that. That's cool. If so-and-so kicks you, it should be like this. He's like, you need to take all of that into account when you're doing it. Those was one of those sessions that I always remember. He would sit people down, even when he would go do seminars, you know, they think they'd be wrestling. Nope. Sits them right on the ground, teaches psychology and the importance of psychology. And, you know, I can't even remember who trained him, but I know that's not where it came from because he trained for a month and went to wrestling. He's a, he, he's learned a lot. It, it was great learning under that tree. And it was a weird time because I was like slowly coming out at the same time. So it was like, I don't know how to feel coming into this, you know, very macho world coming out and, you know, doing this. And this guy is like very macho, very uh, into his faith. Uh, if anybody knows uh, uh, Lance Archer or Lance Hoyt, he's very devout to his faith. He loves his faith. Uh, but he is quite an interesting character. Uh, you know, you know, it's not like he's going to be like, ah, oh, you're gay. Get out of here. You know, it's like, huh. Cool, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I had a gay best friend in uh in uh in college, and Sugar Daddy got us a lot of things. I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not, great to hear. Oh, not stories you'd expect to hear. Now, this is an off-topic story, but it's one of my favorite stories of all time. Go for it. Okay, so we're in the car. It is. Um, it is me, Lance Archer is driving, uh, another guy by the name of Bobby, and we're going down to San Marcos. Bobby and him, they're really close, uh, but uh, Bobby is, we call him Backwoods Bobby, and, uh, you know, he had uh, different mindsets that, uh, you know, when you're from the South can happen from time to time. But uh, he was very like, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that. And, you know, he's like, I don't believe in interracial uh, couples. And we're like, why? That's ridiculous. That's whatever. You know, and, you know, I don't believe in gay people. And like, OK, like, what are you talking about? I've never come out by this point. Like, I'm not hiding, but I'm not saying anything. So he's gone on this rant. And, you know, he's like, and I, I don't like little people. They scare me. Uh, the, their heads scare me. It's just on and on. And so Lance is agging it on. He's like, yeah, what if your daughter comes home and she's dating a, a little uh, lesbian black person? He's like, no, no, I can't have it. He's like, you're just going to push her away. You can't do this. No, I can't do that. Then he just started getting more absurd. And he's like, see, I hate that too. It's a guy wearing a cowboy hat in a car. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So we're going, we've been talking for three hours and uh, we're almost there. And Lance goes, so you got a girlfriend? Or he's like, you in a relationship? I'm like, yeah, you got a girlfriend? No, you got a boyfriend? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he gets so excited. He's so happy because he knows like, this is about to make Bobby flip. He's like, what? No, y'all set me up. Y'all set me up right now. You're not gay? No. And I was like, yeah, I'm gay. He's like, how long has your mom known you're not gay? 
no, she knows I'm gay. No, I can't believe it. You know, so the whole time, you're not gay. You're not gay. Still, you know, we've traveled together before. He's cool. He's cool as crap. But uh, by the second day, he comes to me. He's like, you know, I've been watching you. And uh, yeah, you're gay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, you know, all those things I said, it doesn't make me hate anybody or whatever. And I don't hate you. You're a great person. And, you know, that backpedaling. And yeah. he ended up uh, marrying a black lady down the road. And, you know, she wasn't little, but he... <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's just one of those stories where it's, yeah, that's one of my favorite Lance Archer stories. No, it's, it, that's really interesting because like, it's almost like in real time, you're seeing a person who espouses this like xenophobic yeah. and like homophobic beliefs. And then immediately the, when they meet like a gay person in real life, it's done. Exactly. Uh, it's the same like, oh, arguments. Yeah, exactly. It's the same arguments that we see all the time, especially in today's political climate of like humanizing communities just because all these people that are spewing this rhetoric and like trying to make these legal changes to like outlaw like various like trans healthcare right. initiatives. It's because and they don't want it to be humanized. Once you start showing it in person, then, you know, it, it's like, oh, you're you're uh, turning my kid. No, we're humanizing it and showing that they're people. That's not, that's, uh, we're not showing anything different. You act as if these people are, you know, evil and that's far from it. There are some evil people in every community. Absolutely. There are exactly. some, some bad season, anything, and that can't be held to the whole community and we shouldn't hold it to the whole community of any community. Uh, but like, yeah, for us to not, we have to humanize it. We have to be able to show that, you know, that like, no matter what, it's still, we're still us, you know? And yeah. our journey in the, in the LGBTQ wrestling world, like that's been a nuts journey, especially over the, what, last four years, I want to say it's really like explode. Yeah. Like four or five. Yeah. Yeah. It just my day, there was nobody. You know, I mean, they're, they're a lot of boys, but, uh, you know, <laughs> be, being an open gay man in Texas wrestling, uh, you there, there's a fair share that come to you like, I'm, I'm not playing this game. It's a rarity. <laughs> You'd be surprised. There's at yeah. least one in the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jens. Thank you so much for tuning into LGBT in the ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. 
check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. That, actually, that's a good question to ask you because, like, obviously, a lot of this explosion that we've seen happened as you were kind of away from the ring before you yeah. made the next try to get back in 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 twenty twenty one or twenty. I can't remember yeah, exactly when you when the Santino Bros. But, um, what was it like for you on the outside, kind of looking in to see this this growth and explosion of LGBTQ identities within pro wrestling? It is what excited me again. It's one of those things that made me go, screw this, I can do this. Like, in particularly, you know, the the rise of the infamous Effie. Like, yes. I, I, you know, a lot of people have different feelings of him. Uh, at the end of the day, he, like, you know, in, in the straight wrestling world, they're like, oh, wow, you know, he just says whatever he, he wants. I'm like, in my world, that's any homo on a Monday or Tuesday. Like, exactly. Like, <laughs> this guy has sat at my bar, I'm sure. Like, I've heard this. Like, screw you and screw this. This is our place now. Us homos, we're taking over. Like, that's why I love Epi. Like, he doesn't <laughs> care. And he's so brash. And he has opened doors because he's so brash. And he hasn't cared if it cut him off or not. Because, at the, you know, he doesn't need it. He he does it full time, but at the same time, it's like he just has this. I'm doing what I love, and I'm gonna do it at this level. And screw y'all if y'all don't like this or that, you know. And I'm gonna show you that there's other people like me that can do this that are just as good or great. Like he was just getting started with Effie's Big Gay Brunch was supposed to happen in 2020, and I don't think the first one happened until 2021, I believe, it, or maybe it ended it up happening. Yeah, it was later in 2020 because it was initially for WrestleMania weekend in Tampa in April, but then wow. with the pandemic, it got pushed back to October of 2020 whenever the collective came and back. It was in Indiana, correct? Yeah, it was in Indianapolis, yeah. Indianapolis. Uh, but yeah, you know, everything that he's done with the Big Gay Brunch, the only thing I fault him with that is being a gay man and there is no set design or over-the-topness. <laughs> that, and it really bothers me especially knowing he's uh, very close to my age. We grew up with the ridiculous WWE sets that made me love set design. And I'm like, why don't we do that? But besides that, <laughs> besides that like putting a spotlight on people I would have never seen before and getting to see, like Pero. Pero is one of those, like, as I've reached my journey, just I reach out to people. Like I, that's the great thing in social media. I'm like, I'm just going to DM this random guy and said, hey, can you give me any advice? And Pero has been so sweet to me and given me such good advice of like how to how to combat, how to fight, how to get uh, back in there and just been a big papa. He's, I consider him the big papa of the uh, 
LGBTQ wrestling community. Effie's the crazy uncle. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, that's, that's not far off. No, like. no. It's not. <laughs> You're like that crazy uncle, but he's got a point. Oh yeah, he always has a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, back to your question, yeah, it 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 ignited the fight for me, and, and seeing what Effie was doing, and seeing what all these others were doing, and just seeing uh, this resurgence happen. Especially, it was like it was 2019, 2020. I feel like 2020, 2021 is where like it started exploding because you started to see more of these effieisms go out there and more uh more stuff based outside of pride month you know and more shows that were happening that were lgbt led lgbtq led still can be more and it made me reach out to a school you know and i was like you know what i'm just gonna be straight open like i i i decided at that point like the journey isn't to become a pro wrestler again the journey was to educate people and to open eyes and to maybe open doors for others because you know I'd never met anybody else that was HIV positive or had done wrestling but I knew there had to be I couldn't be the only one there's no way man there's absolutely no way and so I uh, reached out to a school, even though down the road, the school, it was BS, but, you know, told my story, said what I had to say. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. And that gave me enough like fuel to just like, boom, I got to do this. I got to get in shape. I got to start fighting. And I uh, put a post out on social media and Facebook. And he said, you know my story, you know, in 2013, I became HIV positive. I lost a dream of professional wrestling and I thought I would never get it back. But I realize now that I've got to fight for that. I got to stand up. I got to help show other people that just because you're HIV positive doesn't mean that you can't do anything that you want to do. And while I know it's going to be a fight and a struggle with my own past and what I've went through, uh, I've got to stand up and I've got to do this. And I don't know how long it will take, but I'm doing it. So I put that out on social media and that got um, the attention of now a friend of mine. But uh, at the time I didn't know him. I was living in San Diego. This was January, 2021. I was living in San Diego. Surprisingly, he's from Dallas and he was a filmmaker. And so he reached out to me. He's like, hey, I love your story. I'm intrigued by it. Can we get on a call? And I'm like, cool. Uh, this person, his name's Jeremy Word. Uh, and I tell him my story and I go into deep detail on it. And he, uh, I, you know, kind of like talking to you and, and everybody else, he didn't know. And he's like, I'm a gay man. And I really didn't know about HIV or any of these things like I didn't realize there was still this issue. I didn't think about these things with sports. He's like, this is a story I feel has to be told, needs to be told. And he basically picked up my project, which was never the plan, but it doesn't hurt when the, the, the opportunity, uh, the opportunity arises. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And um, yeah. So like me and uh, Jeremy, Honestly, we've been working on this project. We've been filming this film uh, 
since January of 2021, I want to say actually close to like March, April, uh, and going on this journey. And I, I tell Jeremy this all the time. I said, I, sometimes I got to, I get to give you a lot of credit because I got to see me from your lens and you made me want to fight more and you got me excited and you got me feeling my story is worth telling and that it needs to be out there. Even, you know, when I thought it did and then I wasn't sure. And he's like, no, screw this. You got to go out there. You can do this. He's like, we're doing it. You know, he, he, he would keep motivating back when I said, well, if I get to train, if I get to train. And then he's like, he says, don't say that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't say that anymore. Don't say what? Don't say if, say when, say when, say when, say when. He's like, because you are going to train. And that's when I had uh, reached out to uh, Santino Brothers. And I had talked to them. And at the time, Joey, Joey Chaos, who runs Santino Brothers, great guy. I have a lot of love and respect for. Uh, he actually ended up opening his doors for me. And he, obviously, he was quite concerned, you know. But uh, he was quite concerned and he wanted as much information as he could get. And, and I was like, absolutely, as you should. And as I want you to, and as I go through this journey, I don't want you to like, he's like, oh, I feel dumb for asking this question or that. I'm like, no, ask him. How, how do we get better? If you don't ask him, that's the whole idea. And so, you know, I was able to give him all of this information and it was really funny, you know, when we finally got to sit down and train together and we got to talking about it and it, it was when I was like, you know, there's people in porn that have HIV and still do porn. He's like, why didn't you lead with that? I worked for XCW that was owned by a porn company. That makes so much sense to me. <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't think to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i would have completely understood then <laughs> what was it like to to kind of get that validation though from joey and to be able to actually get back in the ring as Santino bros for the first time it was it was interesting because it was still separated from all the classes and i, I never got to train with anybody outside of joey and some uh some students that I had actually met, we did an online uh, wrestling course, believe it or not, which is actually one of, the, one of the better things I saw, you know, it focused on teaching psychology, teaching mic work, and the importance of these three different things, teaching the basics, how to treat people and everything like that. One of the coolest things I've seen that I don't think a lot of schools do, uh, Santino Bros does. Awesome like awesome but uh getting in that ring that day of like I was just zoned in I was focused I was like I have so much to do here like and that's in my head I, I'm just like I have so much to do here I know I'm going to be out of shape uh, like getting in that ring is always extremely difficult uh nobody prepares you for that there's no cardio like that it's terrible but um so getting in that ring it was it was just great. I I, I kind of lost the question a little bit. But it was, <laughs> no, you're fine. It was like, val it was validating. It was validating. It was like cool. I can do this. I'm getting an opportunity. I have another chance. There's still going to be no another hurdle. But this person who I respect, who I understand, is giving me this opportunity and helping me 
regain what I may have lost over the years, which, you know, you're out of it. You still regain a lot of it, but you know, you've got to relearn a little bit, not much, but a little bit, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's always stuff. Yeah. There's always stuff, but like, it just felt so good. And, and I bring up Jeremy, he was there uh, filming this and he's like, dude, you were so focused. It was ridiculous. Is like, you were just in this zone of like, you're going to kill something. I was like, I, I just felt I had to, like I had, you know, I set my own camera up, you know, and filming every little thing and I'm everything that I'm doing, because as I thought to myself, when I come back, I can't hiccup. I can't have any hiccups. I I've got to be perfect. I, I got to, you know, none of us can be perfect, but in my head it was, I don't want to give anybody any ammunition. I don't want anybody to have any ammunition to come back and attack me and go, see, that's exactly why that was a big deal. Uh, you know, and I, I wanted to be, you know, a perfectionist, even though I, I never was that, you know, even though I would have been more of a comedy act because that's how I am anyways, I'm ridiculous, but even the comedy, I'm like studying it just right, you know, getting every detail of how the movement would be. I studied boxing so I could stand out with footwork and different things. And uh, just at that time frame, it was like I was all in. Uh, and, and we trained for a good bit until uh, October. And the uh, it was hard. The conversation just stopped. And, you know, oh, I'm busy right now. And, you know, there's a lot going on. And which he was, he, you know, he'd just gotten out of COVID and everything like that. There was a lot of uh, regulations on what he was doing. His main coach wasn't there and it was mainly just him and his wife. Uh, and he hadn't really, you know, he's trying to do a lot. He was getting a lot of students really fast, but, uh, you know, it just never came back. Uh, that conversation never came back. I reached out to him. I said, did a door close? No, door didn't close. Still open. Can we talk? Crickets. And, you know, it's one of those things like I'm not saying anything bad about Joey. We all have our reasons for anything it may be. And, you know, the fear of what this is has scared a lot of people. He gave me the only opportunity in California that anybody had. Well, I got to watch that one. <laughs> He gave me the first opportunity in California after, you know, he gave me my first opportunity in California to start training and try to get back into this wrestling scene. Yeah. And that allowed me to meet, you know, some, uh, some awesome people uh, and reach out to people and tell them my story. So at what point do you like, meet marco because obviously like marco running running the full queer shows over the last year or so now has been a, a major force in the bay area for for the lgbtq pro wrestling community um at what point does does marco like ring you up and say hey maybe we got a spot <laughs> see that's why i stopped myself because i knew that was coming next <laughs> tv and podcasts Yes. Um, but uh, so the first time I meet uh, Marco, it wasn't even in person. It is uh, through Facebook. It's through uh, one of the groups that he admins, which is, let me get the name right. This is why I wrote things down. The LGBTQ plus wrestling community 
uh, on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. And, uh, you know, I just paid attention. I paid attention. You know, he's wrestling. He's doing these things. He's in San Francisco. He's really close. Oh, full queer is coming about. Interesting. And so um, I reach out to him and just, hey, hey, do I know you? No, you don't know me. But, you know, I'm on my journey back. You know, I have HIV, this story, da, da, da. And it, it's been a great friendship for over a year. And we've met twice in person. <laughs> That's always how it goes. Yeah, you know, but like we text every day. And one of the great things about Marco is Marco, Marco got back in or got into the business uh, in, I don't want to say his age wrong, but later in life, you know, I want to say he's closer to 40, but Marco, if you're hearing this, please don't hurt me again. <laughs> like, if I get this wrong, I'm sorry. You look great for your age. Look barely over 25. But, uh, you know, he, he got into wrestling later. He didn't think he could do it when he was younger. And he, you know, he's all about making the LGBTQ community better. He's all about making the LGBTQ community better. And it's not about like... Um, uh, himself really and about making him over you know and he's done all these things like full queer and everything that he's done with full queer uh has been incredible like he he's he's the guy that's made the difference i feel in california one of the guys who's making a big difference i, I definitely got to give some love to dark chic and everything oh, that yeah. she's done as well like i can't take that away but funny enough, it's all in the Bay. It's not down here. <laughs> not down here in SoCal. No, no, no. We're too Southern for that, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I first met him. Uh, and I didn't even get to meet him in person until January of 2022, this year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, this year. And I went to a full queer show. And it was... It was one of those things. I don't know if I told Marco this, but it was it was hard to watch it because it was like, I want to be there. I want to be in this. Man, I want to do this. God, it's right there. It's right in front of me and I can't be in a ring, man. And uh, I ended up reaching out to Marco because I know they did Bearson and I know he had been working on Folsom, but Folsom wasn't confirmed yet. And, you know, me and my uh, partner were planning to go to Folsom, which we did. Had a lot of fun. Got to see the show. Uh, probably one of the best uh, wrestling shows at a random street fair. And nobody would think that you'd see a wrestling show at a, at a BDSM kink street fair. But holy crap. <laughs> vote for it as a, that's my own plug. My own opinion. Vote for it for best show of the year. But... <laughs> <laughs> Full queer, Folsom Street Fair. But uh, but I reached out to him. He's like, hey, I'm not sure if uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, you have a spot. You have an opportunity. I want a chance. And, you know, you know, it's something we've been working on with the film as well. But it's also I just I want this opportunity. And he said, uh, I can't promise you Folsom. I'm still that's all still tied up. But I promise you Barrison and you can wrestle me. 
said perfect deal and that's how that kind of set that uh set that rocket up and me not knowing if that would be the end of it or if it would lead to more mm. after the after getting into the ring with, with marco and and having the match and having this moment to kind of like realize that you did make it back at least for one day you made it back to that place that you wanted to be at did that leave you wanting more or was that one of those things that like, if this is the last time I put on the gear and step into a ring like this, I'm, I'm happy leaving it there. Uh, no, I paid too much for that gear. I need to use it. more. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no sorry. But uh, it did leave me wanting more. It, it drug <laughs> wrestling is a drug, man. It is an addictive drug it makes no sense i've called it bastardized theater in the round for years because that's exactly what it is good guys and bad guys and trash and uh over the topness you know but it is so encapsulating when you can control that audience when you can get them behind you when you can make them believe make them cry make them angry yell and you know that just that glimpse in there with him you know I didn't even do anything much because I knew I wouldn't be able to move at the ability I'd like to you know I, I did good basic work and uh it was like man there's more I want to do more I want to do this but it was even at that time it was like where do we go from here it was you know done we filmed everything for this documentary and you know we know we our hopes is there's more you know to put out there but uh, it's like, feel stuck. And in reality, like you reaching out to me and maybe another door that's meant to be opened, you know? Being able to tell the story uh, to a whole new genre of people who've never even known I've existed. Because in the, in the, in the full scheme of things, like I'm, I'm just a pawn player. I am, I am the, the character in which the story is is using to propel the story that really needs to be told. And that is about HIV. That is about the stigma. That is about changing the mindsets of the new generation or, or the old generation. Honestly, you know, I, through my journey, I thought I was the only one. And I have learned there's so many other people. Like I met people who wrestled in the eighties and worked uh, as Mil Mascaris' accountant and, you know, ended up like, becoming pause and getting out i've had kids kids i've had uh guys training who wanted to wrestle and uh they looked for articles and articles like i did and then they found my post and reached out to me and wanted to know my story and then just seeing that there are so many people that like have uh have 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 that dream but can't express it or have been turned away. You know, I have heard stories of people being turned away and, you know, promoter or uh, trainers going, man, I don't know if I would have done that again. It was a different time. People changing their minds, perceptions changing, but we still have so far to go to change all those perceptions. No, I mean, it's much like the, the boom of, of LGBTQ identities and pro wrestling, like these, these things always 
are a journey and um, they take their own time in a lot of ways. But as evidenced by what we've seen with with the, the former there, like a community can't be stopped when they don't want to be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and like you said, you, you have people like, like Effie, who's out there doing great things. You have Dark Sheik, you have Marco and uh, Jetta doing some great things. Uh, you have more on the other coast that I don't know. I don't know who they are, but I know that they're out there and they're making a name. Dylan McQueen is busting his ass to do things. You have all these people who's trying to change the perception and trying to get more opportunities. Like that's some of the big conversations Marco and I have had. Like I plan on working with them more. I plan on trying to help get full queer all throughout California, different street fairs or whatever, you know, if they take the help, which we've already talked about it, but (laughs) you know, but like, because we want to reach more people. We want to get out there. And, and if my role isn't wrestling and my role is helping behind the scenes, I don't mind that either, you know, because in reality, I love that kind of thing too. There's so many stories to be told and that deserve to be told. And I think mine's one of them, but at the same time, that my job is just to break down it. Uh, I say that my, my job is just to break down the door. And I realize that as the first one through the door, as the first one paving the path, I'm going to take the most damage and I'm, I'm used, I'm going to be the martyr, but hopefully that means there's a whole new generation of people behind me. That's going to not have to go through what I ever had to go through with this business. And I don't have to feel the pain that I felt, man. And that, that right there, that would be amazing to see that, to see someone wrestling. It's no, it's no big deal if they're positive or not. Yeah. No, I, I am right there with you. Like that, that would be an amazing thing to see. Amazing thing to see. Well, Joshua, this has been a powerful and outstanding conversation. Like I'm, I greatly value this conversation personally. I greatly value you taking the time to come on the show and uh, and talk about your journey and and your triumph now that you have been back in the ring. There you go. A long journey, well made though. I'm very uh, I'm very curious to see uh, the documentary um, as well. Um, and also, like you talked about SoCal. Mania Weekend's coming to LA next year. There's yeah. more than likely going to be a big gay brunch. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there very much is. <laughs> that would be a, that would be an interesting movement. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, speaking real quick, you know, yeah, the the film uh, we're making, like I said, with uh, Jeremy Word, it's uh, called the Undetectable Wrestler. Uh, and so, like I said, it, it follows my journey of starting the stream back to getting in the ring and to whatever else may happen, you know, reaching out and going through some of the situations I mentioned earlier uh, and reaching back into a lot of that pain. It's one of those things we're getting ready to hopefully push it out there. Uh, you know, Jeremy gave me permission to talk about it. I'm like, cool, because I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Uh, and I think it's one of those that if we can get out there and get in front of the right people, it's gonna cause some controversy, hopefully, 
I hope it pisses some people off in reality. It's what this business is about. I don't want to hear those people talk crap, but I want the conversation to be started. Yeah. And that's the important part is like getting that conversation started and letting it continue to the point that, you know, people understand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you, are you able to like talk about like how the, the, film is going to be released or like do y'all have that you know, knowledge we yet? are still figuring that out <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know we're we're definitely uh trying to get it out there uh i i'm not sure his specific uh plans but i know it's one of those things that uh he he's been working on it forever he's spent like he literally dedicated you know a good year of his life to just this and it was really amazing to see someone do that so as soon as I can get more information, I will give it to you, Brian, for sure. I, I appreciate it. And I will be eagerly awaiting it um, because, you know, we need more of our stories out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joshua, this has been awesome. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online and anything you might have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I use probably the most at joshua city 91 uh forgive all the uh flagrant sexy pictures but <laughs> uh you know and if you're in uh in san diego and socal come out to one of my events if i'm putting one together so hopefully i'll be putting wrestling events together soon too that's one of my my goals i we need more. We need we need oh, more of these oh kind God. of events. We need so many more, man. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I just I just did a, a story on like Cincinnati having their first like LGBTQ focused show. So like we're seeing more cities pop up. Every city needs to have their own. Uh, yeah, I I've been working to try to get it into uh, the uh, Pride Festival here. And last year we had an opportunity, and they said, uh, we're not sure if we want to spend that money." I said, "Cool, reach out to them this year." I said, "Hey." I'll raise the money. I'll cover the insurance. They're like, uh, we just don't want it. I was like, cool. Uh, I'm going to show you why you're missing out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that That's my mindset. Like, cool. You don't want it. You know, me and Marco, we're going to work together. We're going to make you wish you didn't. I'm going to work with all of them. Like, <laughs> hey, that that's just how it goes. But it's all right. You I'm know, like that effy spirit going like screw you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, man. Thank you. My thanks once again to, to Joshua for taking the time to sit down and go uh, deep into his journey there. I know I'm very, I'm very, very excited to see this documentary, the undetectable wrestler, um, whenever it does release, uh, however it is released, I'm sure, like Joshua said, I'm sure that we'll find out more information about that whenever it is ready to be released. And, uh, it's going to be a, a must watch thing for myself. I think it's gonna be a must watch for a lot of people, uh, in the community, whether you're into pro wrestling or not, just the, the journey and that Joshua has been on. It's, it's remarkable. Um, and it's not over. I, I hope that it's not over. I hope that he's able to get some more time and work out of that gear that he had made because one, it's good looking gear but two, you know, Joshua has a, an altruistic motive 
to wanting to be in the ring. It's not just about himself anymore. It's not just about chasing a dream. It's about wanting to help the community. And that's really what the LGBTQ pro wrestling movement is about at its core. You know, obviously there are other motivations for anybody that gets into pro wrestling and myriad different ones, but at the heart of, of this movement from everything that I've seen, it's about moving us forward and moving understanding forward. And that is the message that I get from Joshua whenever I talk to him there. So uh, thank you all for tuning in again to the show. That's going to do it for us this week. Remember, the QWI 200 will release December 9th through the 15th. So keep your eyes on outsports.com there. Voting for the QWI awards for this year ends tonight at midnight Pacific. So get your nominations in. Final ballot will be released on November 21st, and the final ballot voting will close on December 6th at midnight Pacific. So you got a, you got some homework to do, I guess, <laughs> here uh, as we near the end of the year, heading to December, um, and get ready for some some real great uh, year closers. Obviously, like last week, we saw Giselle Shaw and Jordan Grace just have a complete slobber doctor on impact we have coming up uh on thanksgiving weekend uh you got defy coming back randy myers returned finally to defy and he's going to be competing in the uh in this uh, the ladder the six-way ladder match to determine the undisputed defy heavyweight champion uh which you know randy has that belt right now but he's been gone for a while so we'll see what happens there at uh at fight wave but I don't know. There's a lot to be excited about going forward. We didn't even get into the Big Gay Brunch UK stuff, which is an amazing announcement, uh, even though it was mired by the timing with the progress announcement and all the fall that's come out uh, around that. But there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to, to be talking about when it comes to the world of LGBTQ wrestling as we near the end of 2022 and head into another year of this blissful, beautiful, sometimes frustrating, sometimes infuriating thing that we all share a common love for in pro wrestling. It really, really is a complicated favorite in a lot of ways, but a favorite nonetheless. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week. Until we meet again, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. That goes for monkeypox as well. And January 14th. Bye.